Hello and welcome to Dog Logical. I'm your host, Renee Rhodes from R Plus Dogs, and I'm a training and behavior specialist. Here at the Dog Logical podcast, I aim to get your dog training questions answered. And I hope that this gives you insight into what your dog might be thinking, as well as excellent tips on how to have the best relationship possible with your dog. If you would like to know more about me or work with me, you can find me at rplusdogs.com. Now let's get this podcast started. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. On this episode, we have Sean from Whatever the Weather Animals. Hi, Sean. Hi. Hi, Renee. How are you? Yeah, no, I'm good. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, your history, you know, kind of what what you do and what you're doing? Of course. So, um, hi, my name's Sean Murphy, and I live in South Wales in the UK. I am an animal trainer. I work with various different species, uh, training them for work in the media and other areas of the entertainment sector. So we do a lot of like live shows and education, um, going to schools and nursing homes and things, promoting enrichment, um, proper care and husbandry for various different species, as well as how you can have a good relationship with your animals using positive methods. Um, so my passion especially does now lie with force and fear-free training. Um, and I believe in force and fear-free training for all species of animals, all breeds of dog. No breed needs a heavy hand. And I am a massive enrichment geek. Um, it's my favorite topic ever. <laughs> You're in the right company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so how did you get started? In, was it kind of animals in general or did you start with dog training? How did you get started training? Um, No, so it was kind of a happy accident that I caught the training bug. Uh, We've always had dogs in the family, but no one ever really was into training. Um, It was more just having them as a companion. Um, When I got Storm, who is my Border Collie Cross, he was my first dog as opposed to a family dog. And I always sort of just enjoyed uh, doing things with him. But he got injured when he was younger. It was um, a flare up of an old injury he had before we adopted him. And during his recovery, I started to teach him tricks. Uh, just as something to keep his brain occupied while he wasn't able to do exercise and it really got me hooked on training from there I then sort of got into taking him to fun shows and just entering the best trick classes and having a mess around Um, until one day someone asked if I would like to put on a display at their show so we did that and it sort of grew and grew Um, and then I don't know one day I just sort of really wanted to get into working with other species so um, I looked into it and I got a little uh, royal python and yeah the collection kind of just grew from there really and I wanted to work with everything that I could what do you teach the snake um so the snake he can do um like target training um there's not really a lot it's more (laughs) um working on like cooperative handling and things so um even he's never forced to do anything he doesn't want to if he wants to come out he gets to explore around (laughs) the house and things yeah I guess Uh, yeah it would probably be the only thing I could think of yeah well I mean it's more just like a lot of people will just put their hand into a, um, an enclosure and pull them out mm. but I always sort of go well if he wants to come out he can come out but if he doesn't want to then it's cool yeah awesome so tell tell me about your the dogs that you have now or the animals that you have now um yeah so I do have I still have Storm who's um he's eight years old now um he's still the oldest dog we have uh, we have a little Labrador as well, who was my partner's dog. Um, she's also eight, but same age as Storm. She's a retired gun dog. 
and we have Padfoot the barbel puppy who is um, a bit of a handful but has definitely um, added character to our lives and then we have the reptiles so we have um, Nimbus the little royal python um, Bolt the crested gecko Fahrenheit the black throat monitor and a variety of invertebrates as well those are really cool. I love really interesting names. Like I love yeah. when animals have really cool, like even if it's a common name, but like a common name that is like slightly old or like Gertrude or something. Like I just really yes. love, I love really unique, cool. How did you come up? Was it Padfoot you said? Yeah. So um, Padfoot is um, from Harry Potter. Uh, I'm see. Um, I'm not. I I feel really. I don't know. I'm like out of the loop with Harry Potter. I've I've only seen. I've read half of one book, <laughs> and I've seen uh, one and a half movies. But it just never really. <laughs> so like all these Harry Potter things, I've had clients give me like Harry Potter references and stuff, and they kind of look at me expectantly, like, huh, huh, and I'm like, I have no idea. Okay, so yeah, that's why maybe I didn't. <laughs> Everyone to be fair, knows, like Padfoot, hello. Yeah, Padfoot. <laughs> yeah, um, it kind of just suits him because he's really dopey, and as a very large mastiff breed, he has huge mm. feet. And especially when he was a puppy, he couldn't walk properly because his feet were just everywhere. And yeah, it just it really suited him as a name. Um, as soon as we saw him, we went, "Yeah, Padfoot, got to be." <laughs> what made you um, decide to to get? a dog like like padfoot it's a very seems like a little bit of a, a distance between the other dogs that you've had yeah so my partner's had them before he also had um, a neapolitan mastiff right and uh, we always said well if we we're ever in a position to be able to get another one we would um anyway so he was meant to be um paul my partner he was meant to be paul's dog um but he loves me more so he's now my dog <laughs> <laughs> Is that because you do more with him or? <laughs> yeah, um, because I was the one who just like when we when he first came home, I've never had a puppy before. I've always had um, adopted older dogs right? and I was obsessed with this puppy. So he kind of bonded with me more than like, you know, he, he loves Paul and everything, but he bonded with me a lot more. Yeah. So he kind of just became my dog, which I'm fine with. I love him to bits. It's always a little awkward, isn't it? When like the dog, like, I don't know. I think my, I have two dogs, so Nero and Lycan. And I think Nero's, Nero's kind of more passive. Like he, he, he loves other dogs. He really loves other dogs. People, he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. But he's, he has his select few people that he really enjoys and, and loves seeing. Um, and I think with my partner, Scott, um, he loves Scott, but at the same time, like I am... <laughs> I am like the, you know, the apple of his eye, but the same thing with yeah. Lycan, I mean, Lycan is very, he's a mama's boy, like he, you know, he definitely, he'll do the classic kind of, Scott will ask him something, and then like, it'll look at me like, you know, what what do you say? What, yeah, what? that's literally like pad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like, he does love you, he really, they love you, they love you, and he, uh, Scott knows that they love him, but yeah, it's always a little bit awkward because you're like, just just make him feel good. Just, you know, yeah. <laughs> we don't do, um, I think we've done it like once, the kind of traditional, you know, calling the dog and seeing who the dog comes to. I think we've done yeah, that. we've never done that because there's no point. <laughs> I know, as soon as I, I, I walk in the room, they'll walk straight past him to come straight to me. So it's like, oh. they obviously love me more. <laughs> 
Yeah, we did it. We did it once with Lycan, and um, it was quite funny because Lycan was just just he just gets really excited about things. So <laughs> Scott was being kind of animated, and then I was like, Lycan here, <laughs> and he was he was like so tall. You could see him. He was just oh, tall. So we just yeah, we just came in together, and then just like both you know fussed him, and then he was like, oh, this is the best. Oh, oh I don't see. <laughs> Oh, no, that's really cool. I love the names. And yeah, it's it's always interesting um, seeing what kind of, you know, either crosses or the animals that people choose to, to have as part of their life. It's it's always a bit, a bit interesting. Yeah, well, I could never see myself as like a mastiff breed person. Um, I'd always liked big dogs, but I never really thought about having one. Yeah. Um, it was more because, well, obviously Paul's had them before and we didn't just randomly go and buy a dog. Um but then he became mine and it's like, well, I don't think I'd ever not have one now. It's really weird where I still love my border collies, but I don't think I could not have a barbel either. So it's an odd yeah. one. You get, you get bitten by the bug, don't you? It's like, yeah, <laughs> no, totally. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your, your history. So, you know, kind of the, the training that you did when you first started. Um, so I, when I first like got into working with Storm, um, it was an odd one because there wasn't really many trainers in, in, obviously in Wales, they're quite small towns. Um, and there wasn't really many influences around. So I kind of just did what I had like seen on TV and what you'd read in books and stuff. Um, I kind of just thought that was the right thing to do, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's like sort of going off when I was one training to the next, but getting into dog training, it was mainly sports that I did. Mm. Um, so I didn't really go for like qualifications and things because I just wanted to do sports with the dogs. Um, and then it sort of developed into performing with the dogs, but I would sort of going forward be quite keen on working with other people and their dogs. So I don't know, like the things I've done have really changed a lot. So how did you, when you first started, what were, what were the kind of methods that you were using? Like what were your, your ideas of training and how you got the dog to respond to you? Yeah, so um, growing up, Caesar Milan was the face of dog training um, of my time. And that was what I based dog training on. Uh, as much as I'm ashamed to say it now, he was like the biggest influence anyone had. Um, and his obviously his shows were all over TV and he was all over the news all the time and his books were out and anyone who stopped to talk to you who was uh, an average pet owner went, have you seen the dog whisperer? It's amazing. So a lot of the, the things I did were based on that kind of way of you know treating dogs where they're being dominant and you do have to correct them all the time um and keep them in this sort of state where they're you know you sort of as more of a professional you go well it's learned helplessness but at the time you went well it's a calm state and that's the way a dog should be um so it was sort of a lot of like collar popping and pushing the body um that sort of getting into their space all the time those yeah. kind of methods so did you ever kind of branch into using because he did use things like you know slips and prongs and stuff did you ever branch into using those or um yeah I saw so I've used slip leads um and I did use a check chain but I never used prongs or e-collars or things like that or like spray bottles um they were never something I got into using but 
whether that was because Storm was a dog I was working with and with those methods he was shut down very very early on so I never really had to escalate what I used um or you know whether that was just because I I don't know I'd never really looked at them and fancied that as something you should put on a dog even mm. while I was doing it I was sort of aware that it wasn't really right but all the influences I had were doing it so I assumed it was just me being silly and you know for them to be a professional it has to be the right thing to do because um, even all our local dog trainers whenever sort of we reached out you know, do you do classes and do you do advice and can you tell me a bit more about the way you train dogs it was all pretty much the same where they would use um you know stones in a bottle and bonkers and things mm. um and that was just sort of for me it was like well that's obviously the right way to train a dog then yeah it's i mean it's interesting because when you say the the time period i remember I remember watching um, Caesar and I would, I was very strange in my, in my watching habits because I liked hearing the stories and I wouldn't really stick around for the training. So like if I found the show on TV, just, you know, at the time we didn't really have recording and stuff like that. If I caught it when they were telling the story about the dog, I would watch that. And then I'd go and watch something else when he did the like training part. And then I'd come back for the second story of the, you know, the the other dog. Um yeah. so even I watched it. I watched it for completely different reasons. Yeah. But I just well, loved hearing the story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched Season of Land from when I was probably about 12 to about 15. Yeah. So I was very time. impressionable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was the only influence I'd ever had with dog training. And I thought, well, for someone to have a TV show, like, oh, my God, they have to be right. This has to be the way you train a dog. Um, and sort of as well, growing up, again, in quite a small town, um, we didn't really have very good access to the Internet and things. So I couldn't even just jump on a computer and look into it. Yeah. And I think as well, you had, which is a little bit before your time, obviously, um, Barbara Woodhouse is something that I learned about Um quite a few years ago and I was just watching the videos I would you know and knowing what I know um I I just found it like shocking and at, at that time when you think about it and these things that these dogs endured I remember there's this classic video clip for me it's classic anyway um of her and there's a line of dogs and they're on their you know their check chains or whatever and they're standing next to their their humans and she comes out and all of the dogs have this like quick emotional response to look anywhere but her direction. Wow. I, that sounds, uh, that sounds, that right there is like, that's clear communication about what this is doing for these dogs. And yeah, they, you know, like uh, it, it, you need to like do this, the check and things like that and correct him and correct him and step in front of him. And it, when I watch that kind of stuff, it's interesting to me because we, it's like we've gotten worse because we've now escalated our tools. And these were dogs that, you know, you could tell, especially with that, that little clip, you could tell that these dogs were very intimidated by her. And all she had done was enter their line of sight. And yeah. now we've, it's like, we've elevated that with the prongs and the e-collars and the, I would say the popularity of them anyway. It's like that Definitely, was, yeah. That wasn't good enough. We need to we need to step it up a little bit more. It's like that was effective. That you know those those methods and things like that. But yeah, I, I mean, Caesar Malone was. It's it's also poignant that you mentioned about you know questioning it and and wrestling with yourself and thinking is this right? It doesn't feel right. 
but also it must be right because this is what you know this is what this person is saying and this person must be right because they have a tv show so yeah well I, I always think you know I'll, I'll always hold myself accountable for following those methods and the things I ended up doing as a result of it and I think you know it's not an excuse that oh well I was just young and impressionable I just think it is really important to sort of go yes but that was at the time that was all I knew yeah. so when I look back on it well I'm not going to beat myself up over it I'm going to realize it was wrong but yes that was all I knew at the time so you know there wasn't really much of another option um except to blindly follow yeah and I think if that is what you're you're presented you how do you how do you go outside of that because if you don't have the knowledge base to understand exactly what you are you know applying to the dog and how that is emotionally making the dog feel and respond you you don't know again that calm submissive state I mean it's still being used today when they're like, look how, do- how calm the dog is. And you're, you know, <laughs> looking at a video of a dog that I'm like, that dog You're internally is- screaming, right. yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm like, that dog is not calm. That is not calm. That is not calm. Um, you know, we have the, the most recent, and I like to call it um, soft balance training. <laughs> we have the most recent, which is the, the dog father or the, you know, the badly behaved dogs or whatever it's called. Yeah. And it's the same, to me, it's kind of the same methods without a slight escalation. Um, But again, it's the blocking. It's the, not necessarily the alpha role, but the getting in the dog's space, you know, kind of moving the dog with your body. Um, And I don't know, I've seen a few of them, but to me, like his method is always the same with these dogs. It's always the blocking. It's always the reprimanding verbally and then physically, um, there was one dog who was a reactive dog, a large breed reactive dog, and he had it on a head collar. And the thing was bucking around on this head collar. And you're just like, and he's like, no, it doesn't harm him. No, you know, he's fine. Like, oh, he's just being a baby. You need to toughen up, be the leader. And it's like, this dog could break its neck. Like it's far too big and far too reactive to be on a tool like that. Yeah. But it's one of those things, isn't it, where entertainment sells a quick fix on TV. Yeah, people will watch it. Yeah. No. And then obviously we have the the newest kind of, you know, with the whole canine intervention. I don't know if you've heard about that one, which is coming out from from Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't look great. Um, it, it on such again. a big platform as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but again, we're we're having this this perpetual kind of storyline of you know that it's okay to use, and it's obviously it's still getting worse because the tools that I mean I've only seen the the trailer, but you know, given his his social media profiles and what he uses, who knows exactly what we're gonna see on this program and. Again, it's like an escalation for me where this person has a, a platform to use and the information that's going to be given to the general public is highly toxic to dogs. Yeah, no, it's, it's that whole, why is it this constant fight to prove to people that putting metal spikes in your dog's neck is not the right way to go about training them? Oh, but Sean, they're blunt. You do know that, right? Oh, oh sorry. Hurt. Yes, I'm so sorry. That's <laughs> they my apply bad. even pressure around the neck like a mother dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'll try and educate myself more. 
<laughs> right. Enough. Uh, enough with the, you know, kind of. Ugh. I can't even. I can talk about this forever. I really could. It just really. I think it's it's kind of sickening, really, because we have so much information. We have so much power, and the these TV shows like Netflix. Netflix does amazing stuff. It really produces some really high quality, some very, you know, informative content. And then to have something like this is almost, you know, a slap in the face because it's like this is such a, a discord from you know what they what they do present that yeah it's not acceptable. No, it's frustrating, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So, in your in your kind of story, what was that that moment where you just decided, you know what, like. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, so um, I don't talk about the exact moment um, because nearly eight years later, I still do have nightmares about this particular incident. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I had Storm back with me and I was able to calm down enough, I looked at him and I just went, I will never, ever correct you, shout at you or otherwise force you to do anything I want again. Because even if and I'm going to put in inverted commas here, it's the wrong way to train, especially in my mind, force was still the right way to go. I will never scale, hurt my dog again and call it training. Um, and just after that, my whole mind just went, I don't care if this takes forever. I don't care if no one else is doing it. I don't care if people think it's wrong. Because again, I'm going to say I was in my little bubble where I didn't realize that it was an entire area to not force dogs to do things. Um, I just thought I, I can't, I, I can't bring myself to ever have to correct this dog again when everything I've been telling myself, like everything my subconscious has been going is screaming at me every time I've done it since I've had this dog that it's wrong and I'm going to finally listen to it because I'm not going to go through that again and I'm not going to put him through that again. And I think, you know, it's a very fair point because I have clients who I, you know, have have met in very deflated parts of their relationship with their dog and they have used punishment or maybe they've seen someone previously who advised them to use a prong or an e-collar or or something like that and they have because under that that guidance they thought they were doing the right thing you know because a professional again I'm using the inverted comments uh, yeah <laughs> a professional told them that that is what they should be doing and you know they it affects them emotionally, it affects people emotionally when they need to, or they feel that they need to correct or punish their dog. And the impact of that, no one feels good. The dog doesn't feel good. You don't feel good. You know, it's not, it's not a pleasant experience for anyone. So no, and so I, I question having obviously been in that situation where I have done it, I question anyone who does it and doesn't think there's anything wrong with it. I think, how could you do that to a dog and not morally feel like you've just done something awful? No, and that's like cognitive dissonance at its prime, I think, in those situations, because your brain is protecting you from, you know, kind of thinking outside that that little space and going, you know what? So even if you have the thought, 
you can rationalize with yourself and be like, well, you know what, maybe my dog would have been euthanized if I didn't use this tool, or you know what, my dog would attack another dog if I didn't use this tool, or my dog just didn't respect me if I didn't use, there's so many, I think, reasons for people to rationalize it to themselves. But at the same time, I completely agree with you. I do not understand how people can use these methods and not feel any sort of kind of introspective, you know, guilt or introspective kind of reflectiveness to go, well, is this, is this the right thing? I mean, I, with my older dog, I used a Halty for a period of time. I, I used a Martingale, but a Martingale was never used for any corrections whatsoever. It was just a really cute, you know, he's a, um, a whip across. So he has the, the classic slender neck. And I was told by lots of people, you know, you really need to, even though he did use a harness, really need to have a Martingale on him. So I would use it, but I would never use it for corrections. And the same thing with the Halty, he wasn't reactive. He just would pull. And instead of, you know, taking the time to train him not to pull, um, which I did when he was a puppy. And then for me, it was like, well, why are you still pulling? Okay, let's get this thing on your face. And even though I did counter condition him to, to the Halty, he hated it. He absolutely, and I, I personally, and that's not even a bad, to me, that's not even a bad tool to use. It's, it is used by, um, you know, the force and free, force and fear free community. But for me, I feel guilt even to this day. And this is years ago. I feel guilt about using that halty on him. Yeah, no, I still feel guilt. Um, and I mean, I, I, I don't really know like how to say how long I was, what you would consider a balanced trainer um because it was never like sort of having dogs my entire life within the family um I always use those kind of methods but I'd never done much with them because they were just companion dogs whereas with Storm obviously I wanted to do a lot more with him so for the first few months I had him and I used those methods I used them more in those few months and I had all the years previously on other dogs um but for those few months especially the guilt I feel is insane like I still feel it now even though every time I look at him and he's long forgotten it and he is you know he's running around the forest and he's making silly noises and being happy as anything and I look at him and I just go I cannot believe I ever did that to you yeah no I it's funny I'll share a little a little private moment with you I um today I took Nero by himself as my older dog um for a walk in the woods because he loves the woods and um he uh, he so I would stop because it was a beautiful morning and like we've had a lot of rain and here it, there was just a beautiful morning, beautiful. So I stopped to kind of admire it and just kind of, you know, just take a moment. And he had, he's off lead. He can go wherever he wants to go. And I look down and he's standing right next to me. And every time that I stopped, no matter where he was, he always would gravitate towards being next to me again. And this made me... <laughs> It made me think about him and how amazing he is and such a, you know, a wonderful character and just a beautiful example of, you know, when people ask for a dog in their life, like I think they, you know, they're asking for a dog that's like Nero. They're asking for a dog who is, he's just so sweet and loving and 
you know, he's never really been an, an issue at all. You know, that's kind of like your, <laughs> your golden, you know, kind of dog when you're, when you're thinking about having a dog. And I thought about that this morning. I thought about how awful I felt for the things that I have done to him. And the halty was one of those things, which sounds insane, but I'm in the middle of the forest, you know, on a beautiful morning. And I started to cry a little bit because I just thought, I, I did this to you. Like you didn't, you know, you didn't ask for this. This wasn't something that, you know, was was what you wanted or anything and yes was he not you know completely miserable did he did he shut down no but I know he hated using it I know that it caused him discomfort I know that it made him you know unhappy in those moments that he was doing it because his behavior told me so but I chose to for a period of time kind of ignore that behavior or say to myself you know, oh, he'll, you know, we'll keep working on it. He'll get used to it. So, I mean, that's, and he's, he's nine. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I just thought, oh, like, stop it. Like, stop right now. Like, stop crying about something. Like, he doesn't even know he's, we're in the woods right now. He's, you know, having a great time. He has a fantastic life. Like, why am I so upset about something that I did like five years ago? <laughs> well, that's honestly, it's exactly the same. And actually in Wales, there's a lot of mountains. So I take storm hiking quite a lot. And we'll be in the middle of nowhere, miles away from anyone or anything. And I'll look at him and I'll just go, I can't believe I did that to you. And he's there like, I found a stick. And he's so happy about it. And it's like, well, that's obviously not what you're thinking, are you? Because you're staying by my side for no reason other than the fact you want to. You're yeah. looking at me wagging your tail because you can. And I'm here going, I used to put a choke chain on you and yeah. feeling really awful about it. And yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I feel really, I'm really thankful I didn't ruin him when he was younger. Um, really thankful that, you know, the things I did didn't cause him to be completely ruined for the rest of his life. But I'm, yeah, I just, I can't get rid of that guilt, even though I know it's been years, it's been about eight years since I ever told that dog off and I still feel bad about it. Yeah. Yeah. So when people, and it's, it's almost like a, I don't know, I can't even find the words at the moment to explain it, but it's, it's, I think it's almost like an egotistical thing where it's like, you know what, like I'm great because I'm using these tools and I'm saving dogs lives and things like that. And it's like, but if we all just get real for a second, like, honestly, do you not feel like, I don't understand how you don't feel guilty. And to me, the only thing I can, I can fathom is just that, you know, that it is that cognitive dissonance where we're thinking, but I need to do this to save these animals. And I am, I am saving animals. Therefore, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Well, in some ways you kind of hope it's that because the alternative is that they just don't care. And that's not a nice thing to think about. But I also think that, you know, what a lot of, a lot of balance trainers do, they love dogs. They do love dogs. You know, you can, unless they're very good actors, um, they do. They love dogs. They care about dogs. They do want the best for dogs, but I just can't understand why there isn't that honesty in that fact of, you know, do you feel guilty when you, when you use these tools? If not, why, why don't you? And is it that factor? Because you think that this is the only way, because people will say, you know, with balance trainers and stuff, I, I do watch them and 
I will find that there is a balance, but it tends to lean towards the correction, putting the dogs in a bad situation to be able to correct them. Um, and then, you know, what? Well, I, there was one the other day that I watched and it said um, he offered the dog food and the dog didn't take food. And he said something like, well, I'm not going to ruin the trust with food. And I was like, what? Like, right. <laughs> the dog's too stressed and it's got to shut down and it's not it's not wanting the food it's not that you're ruining the trust with the food it was just one of those comments that you think like you know what like yeah you said do you understand the situation <laughs> or like <laughs> but I mean it's that it's the aversion to use food or the aversion to appear that you know positive reinforcement does actually really really work in these situations if we set the scenario up for it to you know somebody i think commented something the other day saying like you know a real trainer can can cure reactivity in 30 minutes and i'm like what like yeah <laughs> that i you know nothing nothing can be done in 30 minutes i mean if you think about our own behavior how, how, you know, people struggle with things for months, for years, you know, smokers, people are trying to lose weight, you know, people trying to get over compulsions and things, you know, how is anything solved in 30 minutes that's healthy and, and actually effective? I mean, I just, I don't know how. Well, yeah, I think it comes down to that thing, really, and a lot of balance trainers will mock force through people and go, yeah, but you say punishment doesn't work. And it's like, we are well aware punishment works, but think yeah. about why it works and how it works. But that's the other thing I like. So I do watch, I watch balance trainers, but I also, um, I have, like I said, watched the whole the dog father thing. And what I like to do, <laughs> or in my house, it's called that show that makes you angry. Um, <laughs> And I like to think, how would I handle that situation? So sometimes it does help me because I think I see what he's doing. And the, the thing as well that I think is, is important to mention is some of the information is right. Like some of the information is good information. It's just soured with other things where you just like, that's not, that's not necessary. We could have, we could have handled that in a totally different way. But yeah, I, I, I do watch those things and I do have to be in the right mood. I don't follow anyone um, because it really deteriorates my mental health, but I do take the opportunity when I feel in the mood to, to make myself aware of the methods and make myself aware of, of what is being presented because a lot of my clients use these things or are also like, you know, you were saying with, with Cesar Milan, they're subjected to these things as well. So these things are on their radar. Um, so if I'm not aware of them and I don't know what, you know, what is happening and what's, what's going on, I can't best think how to answer their questions or how to have a solution for that dog in that situation in a completely different way. No, I, that completely makes sense. Um, and I mean, they pop up everywhere. Like, I, I don't know about you, but um, recently a lot of like balance trainers have been coming up as sponsored um, posts on my Instagram feed. Ugh, um, yes. And I, I, I never look at them. Yeah, and I've had about three different ones um, just in the last two days. Um, and there are people I, I know of, you know, they're, they're the sort of people who have like 12,000 followers and people be posting regularly. 
but you think well if that's coming up on everyone who has a dog accounts feed well how many of those people are going to see that and go oh that's the right way to train a dog because they haven't had any other influence off someone else yeah and let's be honest i mean as people and i i i am included in that people um (laughs) i am included in this group that i'm about to mention um (laughs) um we want things and we want them now. Like I order stuff from Amazon and I want it to come immediately. Like we are an instant gratification society. That is what we, what we want, but not when it comes to living creatures. Like that's where I draw the line. So I get it. I get the, the appeal of looking at something and being like, well, that worked, you know, if I didn't know any better and that's the other, you know, sometimes we see things outside of dog training but might see something and go actually that looks like a really that looks like a really cool thing or that looks like a really cool process or that looks like a really good item or you know and it's like well that you know it must be good potentially it's good um but again not with something that is a living creature who has emotions like you know if you're fixing reactivity in 30 minutes that's a giant red flag to me like so yeah (laughs) except you know the whole sky it's just I can't imagine how somebody would go yeah that's great I'm 30 minutes or less you know you can get I don't know what do you get in 30 minutes or less (laughs) um maybe a pizza if you're lucky yes that might arrive (laughs) dog's reactivity cured or a pizza and your dog's (laughs) there's a new business plan I think oh yeah (laughs) goodbye me (laughs) now Um, so did you relapse at any point? I mean, did you kind of, how, how difficult was it for you at that point to just go, right, I'm never doing this again? Yeah, so I wouldn't say at any point I've relapsed. I've slipped up, definitely, um, especially sort of during the early days when I was really trying to get out of my bad habits. Um, but they were more muscle memory, subconscious reactions rather than me actively trying to use those methods again. So I'd sort of say, well, as uh, for example, I was really trying to put effort into teaching Storm a loose lead walk. And if he started to pull ahead, my initial reaction was to just be jerk the lead back. And a lot of the time I'd be able to stop myself and go, okay, pause, reflect on what I'm doing and do better next time. Um, but I wouldn't say that even every time I wasn't able to catch myself in time and I did it, I wouldn't say it was a relapse as such. It was just a slip up in the moment, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I think that's that's an important thing. I always um, say to to my clients who have histories of using aversive or, you know, using punishment, that the moment that you recognize that you've just done something, that's the moment of change. Because if you can if you can correct yourself and be like, oh, actually, I shouldn't have done that, then it's it's in your mind. You're uh, you're aware of it, and that's when you start to really you know make those those shifts towards not doing it because somebody who isn't or somebody who you know isn't thinking about it it's just what they do and they don't you know again like you said the muscle memory you just do it and and that's it but if you're actually conscious of it that's how you make those those changes yeah so I think even now um I'll occasionally find myself about to just slip up um maybe there's especially you know with Paddy obviously training a puppy again um and training Lucy walk is for a big dog is such an important thing. And um, there were moments, especially when he was younger, where he would go to run forward. And my initial reaction was to just be go, leech, uh, you know, collar popping. 
and I was always able to stop myself in time it's, it's never happened but it's even years on you I think it's important to sort of note that because it's what you're so used to um, and you were used to it for however long it's so hard to change those habits and you will accidentally revert back to them every now and again but just keep on top of it catch yourself reflect on it when you catch yourself doing it but don't beat yourself up over it just do better next time and carry on no I mean nobody should feel bad at all um for using methods that they used in the past I mean <laughs> after I said that about my <laughs> story of crying yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no they shouldn't I mean clients that I've worked with who who have used these previous things I'm I don't I'm not here to judge you like it, you did it it's over let's move on there's no there's no point to going well actually you shouldn't have done that because blah, blah. as long as you're not doing it now and you understand from you know working together why you shouldn't be doing it cool we're we're great let's move on um and I think that's one of the the main things that you know help people because a lot of people feel guilty as well and I have experienced many clients saying to me or crying or you know feeling that that guilt of things that they they've done but at the end of the day we all make mistakes no one is perfect I mean I recently <laughs> I recently have started saying no and it's like almost like a knee-jerk reaction and I don't know where it's come from but it's been like the past couple weeks something happens and I go no but and then I'm like oh but <laughs> yeah yeah I don't I've never even said that for my dogs and suddenly it's just I've gotten into this pattern it's very occasionally too it's like there's no it's not, it doesn't happen every single time. It just happens in these odd occasions. And it's like, but, you know, as a, as a fear-free, not that it, you know, it's necessarily said in a, in a harsh way, but it's not something that I've, I've done before. Like, where is that coming from? I don't even know. Like in my brain, if I could just harness my brain to be like, stop saying the word or, you know, reprogram it in a minute. But it's, it's one of those things that you just think like, why have I, done that like why have I said that why has that happened and I think that can happen sometimes with people who who shout at their dogs or you know um feel the need to tell their dogs off a little bit if something happens um because sometimes it is that that knee-jerk reaction that you have yeah no it's um it's it's an old one, but I think it's important to realize it's it's so much easier to create a habit unintentionally than it is to get rid of a habit consciously. Yeah. No, completely. Um, so what was the the difference that you saw in your dog from from the shift to like was it immediate or how do you feel that that impacted your relationship? So the like immediate within days of stopping any corrections any telling off he was so much more relaxed um he slept better he slept a lot sort of deeper um just generally when he was up and about doing things it was just his body language was a lot more chilled out he wasn't so on edge all the time and I think a lot of that was that he was not worried about making any mistakes all the time um he wasn't having to worry that doing something that I didn't particularly like was going to result in him being shouted at or told off um he sort of slowly then over time became a lot more curious and outgoing, um, a lot more playful, like he would actively um, start games and just go and grab a toy and just want to play a game with you, um, which I, you know, I really enjoyed watching. 
Um, but he started to make up his own games and tricks. Sort of. So when we would do a training session, um, I'd give him a little bit of space and just go, we'll do something. And he didn't have to feel this pressure to just, shit, uh, to just sit and um, not move. Um, sort of through fear of being told off for doing something that I didn't really want him to do kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting because you see a lot of these terms of confidence and relationship and, and stuff for aversive equipment. And again, I just think how how is that confidence? I mean, if you if you had a, let's say, you know, a partner or something, and every time they did something you didn't like, you corrected them, your relationship wouldn't last. Like that would not no. be they no nobody's gonna really sign up for that. And if they do stick around, that's a really unhealthy relationship. So yeah, it's just such a strange, strange concept to me that, you know, we, we already, even just the basic, we already mold dogs into our desirable companions, you know, everything that they, they, they kind of do, we, we call it training and we do help them to have good manners and, and, you know, be able to coincide with us and, go out with us and enjoy things but even for me I think everything that we we do with our dogs is is either kind of shaping their personalities to be more in line with what we would like or we're trying to fulfill their needs because their needs aren't being necessarily met from living in a house with us and when we kind of have this idea of what it is that our dogs are supposed to be sitting and staying and down and in a you know in a I mean some of these like down stays are hours like, yeah what is the purpose I do not understand the purpose of that it's almost like forcing the dog to do something just out of an element of control for the person like maybe it gives them some kind of endorphin rush to be telling their dog you know that what to do and how to do it and don't take one step out of line yeah well it's more like this whole well if you need a power trip that bad at least don't do it in a way that's gonna affect another living being um yeah I just I and I don't know I I kind of it took me a long time to realize I wasn't a hypocrite for learning something new and suddenly being against something that I used to support. Um, that was a really important step for me was to, to sort of go, you're not being a hypocrite. So when I sort of look at something like that now and go, yeah, I don't really like, agree with that or I don't like that, it doesn't have any less weight behind it because I used to do it. Yeah. Um, and so sort of when you see that and you sort of go, well, do you need a power trip that bad? I, I don't really, can you try and explain why you're doing this anymore? And they go, yeah. oh yeah, so that they're like a perfect companion. And it's like, but are you suppressing something a dog needs to make them more desirable to you? Because dogs should still be allowed to be dogs. Um, I think it's one thing to you know, sort of go, okay, well, dogs shouldn't bite other people and they shouldn't destroy your house. But then there's another thing to go, okay, well, give them something else to do then. Your dog doesn't need to be forced to lie down for 12 hours a day. It should be asleep for 12 hours a day anyway. Yeah. Give it a bit of freedom. And that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if you saw my most recent post, but it was talking about what does your, what does your walk bring? And with my dogs, we, 
We do. And I, it kind of started because Lycan came in. So Lycan came in to me at like nine months old and he was prime adolescence and he's a working line dog and he has very high drive. And then we kind of shifted because Nero would go out on a regular basis because he's highly social. And, you know, we would, he doesn't have a huge activity requirement. Like he is very happy if he's comfortable and warm and sleeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he came into it, we had to kind of adjust things. And I think there has been huge benefits for, for Nero, but at the same time, we don't go, we don't go to places. I don't take the dogs to places where I think that they're going to be uncomfortable. So we don't, I mean, Nero, you can take him to a, when we did go to these places you can take him to a pub you can take him to a cafe like he is very content to just you know if he has something to lay on that's comfortable he's very content to lay there and I usually you know I'll feed him things if we're if we have appropriate things to feed him um but with like him we, we change that so we now do every other day or you know sometimes every every other other day where we go off and we're going into, you know, different kind of areas and the days that they're not doing those kind of outings, they have days that are rest days. And so those days are days where they primarily sleep the entire day. They can get up, they can freely move to other beds if they would like to. Um, they don't have to be sleeping. If they are up, then I will give them enrichment activities to do. Or if I think, oh, geez, you're really, then I'll take them out. There's that flexibility. There's no hard and fast rule. Like, well, today's a rest day. This is what you're going to do. Um, but more often than not, the rest days are that rest. And so if you want your dog, <laughs> if you want your dog in a down stay for 12 hours, heck, meet their needs, you know, and the next yeah. day, most likely you're going to get that, <laughs> you know, you're going to get that done, even with a working line, high drive German shepherd who, you know, came with me, came to me with lots of behavioral concerns. Um, so that we can get, we can get these things if that's what we're kind of looking for. But I think the approach is just, it's, and you know, we, we get kind of a little bit of flack for saying the words abuse, but that to me is abuse having your dog in in a position for an extended period of time and having them fearful to break that position is abuse yeah well i think that's the the real key difference there isn't it? is having a dog in a certain position for a long amount of time is one thing but the what's the reason why they're not getting out of that position is it because they don't want to or is it because they're scared to yes and yeah. whichever like where you branch off there is well yeah is it borderline abuse or is it not yeah so what was the, what did you feel? Because I, you know, the whole trajectory was you had this, this kind of epiphany, something happened. And what, how did you feel after that point? Um, so I, that guilt set in for a long time and until Storm like really sort of came out of his shell um, and became more confident, it was hard for me to change and sort of realize that I had learned anything. Um, because I was so focused on I'm a bad person and I can't believe I did that and oh my goodness but when I was able to just sort of sit down and reflect a bit I realized that I had learned to just let things go a lot more and suddenly we had gone from these structured walks where it was heel all the time to walking up the mountain and I didn't have to worry about storm going anywhere 
he was just always around me because he wanted to and we could just relax and it was amazing so i mean i mean it's the So, and all in all, the whole experience was beneficial for both of you. Yeah, definitely. Um, I realized that I was quite tense all the time when I was using um, those balanced methods on him. And I think it was more because there was this constant need for everything to be perfect. And, you know, he had to be in a structured heel all the time and he couldn't take a step in front of me. And so I was on edge all the time because I had to watch for him taking a step in front of me. Um, and neither of us were enjoying anything. And suddenly when all of that was gone, it was just this like wow moment where everything can be so much more fun without this need for control all the time. I mean, what were there, were there any organizations that you kind of reached out to for support, which, which helped you learn more or how did you gain, how did you gain the knowledge from that point? Um, yeah. So again, it, it was quite difficult not really having much access to the internet and other books and things. And at the time I didn't have a name for what I was doing. It was just the way that I had never seen anyone else train before. And I knew I couldn't have been the first person who was doing it. It was just in my little town no one else was doing it um and i somehow ended up in contact with a lady called ruby wellsford um she runs oh, ruby. Ruby Betsy. yeah <laughs> um and she was the first person who ever put a name to the way like the training route i was going down and suddenly it was like well i have a name i can work towards something i can really look into this every opportunity i get and it was like this eye-opening thing where it's like there are people doing this and here's the science behind why doing it is right and okay well yeah I can now look into the things I was doing before and learn why that they're not the right way to go about training a dog um, and actually Ruby introduced me into a lot of people um, and a lot of you know the sort of community and I'm always that we still talk now um, and she knows how thankful I am to her for doing that but she's always been a sort of non-judgmental ear that I could go to and sort of go, I slipped up today, Ruby, and I feel really bad about it, but can we just talk about it? Because I want to learn how to do better next time. Yeah. So she was definitely my bridge between, I wouldn't even say bridge, she was the sellotape that sort of went, <laughs> stick, here you are, you're part of the community now. <laughs> yeah. um, and it was, it was really nice. Uh... No, Ruby's great. I think she really, you can feel her passion, like, she definitely, she definitely has enough passion for, for most of us. Um, yes. <laughs> but is, I mean, how did you find her? What was, you know, what kind of connected you to her? So I, um, I started doing Disc Dog with Storm. Right. And yeah. at the time, no one else in Wales was doing Disc Dog. Um, in fact, there were only two people in England who were doing it. So there wasn't really a network, but we ended up getting connected somehow because of that um just i i don't really know like, so many years ago now i can't really remember exactly how it happened but we connected because of disc dog and suddenly it was like we've done a lot of work together since yeah um and you know i i'm really lucky that i now have a huge support bubble of r plus friends um but it was yeah it was definitely ruby who was the one who 
got me from one end of it to the other end where I am now. Yeah, no, yeah, Ruby's Ruby's great. And yeah, I can understand with the whole disc golf thing. Disc golf? Disc dog. <laughs> Dogs doing disc golf. Um, right, so what what advice would you give to someone out there who's maybe having these kind of conflicting and ethical conversations with themselves about what what they should be doing or what if their you know methods are wrong what advice would you give to them about about changing their methods um well I think first of all if you're having this internal conflict uh, conflict it's there for a reason and listen to it um there's always going to be someone you can talk to and there's so many resources available where just have a quick read if, if you're questioning it slightly well just google it have a quick read of a few articles and if by the end you sort of go mm, maybe it's not for me no one can change your mind but if you go actually yeah i want to try and change it's going to be hard and um, you know <laughs> it's a lot of work to go from what you're comfortable with to something completely new but you won't regret it would you say hooking up with someone you know in the industry already and like you did with ruby would be a good idea to have that that kind of support system or yeah i think if you can get in contact with someone who's happy to be there as a shoulder for you um who can advise you on the best places to look and um doesn't mind helping you with resources um and advice if they can absolutely do it um i Definitely, you know, and I'm quite confident to say if I hadn't have found Ruby um, and she hadn't been as willing to help me, my change from balance to um, four three would have been a lot more difficult. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, it, it's having that open mindedness of somebody to be able because I think sometimes it is. I don't want to say brave because that seems a bit it seems a bit silly to say, but having that kind of the kind of courage to just go, you know what, I'm not really feeling this. I think some people might feel like they're going to be judged if they reached out and said, Hey, you know what, like, this is, this is kind of my history. And this is what I'm, what I'm thinking, you know, would you help me? Or would you give me some advice? I have people that contact me occasionally who, you know, say, why I saw your post about this, this tool or whatever, like, could you explain a little bit more? Or my trainer said that I need to use this tool on my dog, but I saw your post about it. And then I'm not sure, or, you know, some trainers who, unfortunately, like I already have two, um, two apprentice, apprentices, but who want to work, who want to shadow, who want that, that kind of, you know, support system. And, I think it does, it can make all the difference to have someone because a lot of people lack confidence in general. And if you're, if you're using these methods and you think that they're right, or you're just using them because you don't have the knowledge to take that to, you know, the next level, then having someone there who can, you know, kind of guide you through it is, is an excellent thing to do because there shouldn't, there shouldn't be judgment when people reach out. There shouldn't be, but I think, unfortunately, it's one of those things where there always will be. Yeah. Um, but if you can find someone who can help, it's honestly invaluable. Um, it helps. You, you can't even explain how much it helps. 
But I think it's it's also sort of important to, if I were to say to someone who's going, well, I want to change, you know, I, I want to cross over, I would go, it's really important to not beat yourself up for slipping up and reverting back to what you're used to. Um, and I don't mean like fully, I just mean if you have an off day. Um, it's important to learn from those moments um, and do better next time, but don't cling on to them as if you've just messed up royally and you can never show your face again because you just told your dog off when you promised yourself you wouldn't again. Yeah. I mean, today I was, you know, part of the thing that made me probably <laughs> more sad is the fact that like Nero forgives me. He forgives me. He, he doesn't hold on to it. And I'm the, I'm the silly human, you know, reflecting on it and <laughs> holding on to it. But, uh, you know, he's moving around and he's enjoying his life and, he doesn't he doesn't hold it against me and that made me even more upset because I was like yeah well sometimes I think you should you should hold that against me yeah yeah exactly like here's my beautiful dog just doing things and just being amazing and I'm giving him the best life possible and here I am crying about something that's just like you know you live you learn you you move on from that and yeah I think we we can we can hold on to a lot of that guilt. But I think it also drives us to, to be better and do better. Some people, you know, it drives us to kind of do better. At least in my situation, I feel that. I, when I feel that guilt or when I feel that um, that unhappiness with, with what I'm seeing, it puts a little fire in me to go, well, you know what? People can't do anything unless they have information. They can, they're just going on the path that they're they're on with the information that they have. And until something pops up and you know you give it a little read and you go, huh, and you think about it, you don't how, how would you even fathom that? There has to be that ability to have that information in the first place before you can you can make a change or potentially even make a change. No, I think that's that's definitely it. But it's it's like I said, it's don't think you're a hypocrite for being for one thing one day, learning and then being against it the next. Yeah. Because yeah. it just means you learned something new and you grew from it and that's all. Yeah, that's strength. To me, that's strength. That's there's no reason for you to feel guilty about that. And if anything, you can feel like you can feel empowered by that. You know what? I'm now doing I wasn't doing it before. But now I am making the best decisions for my for my dog. And I think it is hard. But I always think like, you know, <laughs> especially with Nero, it's kind of like, I won't make those mistakes again. And unfortunately, he, you know, it had to be in my relationship with him. But any future dogs that I welcome into into my life, I will not be making those those decisions the same way that I, I made them with him. No, that's exactly it. And for me, when I, I made the switch, what really kept me going was that I knew I was doing it to give Storm the best life I possibly could because he didn't deserve to ever have to feel how I had made him feel purely because of my lack of skill. And I still, that carry, uh, I still carry that forward now. Um, and I have done with every dog I've had since. And I have done with Raising Pad where I go, well, I have done as much, you know, on myself as I can, where I can recognize when I'm about to mess up, I can stop myself, I can reflect on it. And I've also educated myself 
and still do every day to make sure I'm the best trainer I possibly can be for my dogs based on the past mistakes I made because I know not to make them again and I know why I shouldn't make them again. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, tell us, Sean, where, where can we find you? If we want to kind of connect with you or maybe there is someone listening who thinks, I'd like to connect with Sean, like Sean connected with Ruby. Where can we find you? Um, so all of my social media is under whatever the weather animals. Um, and it's under that because I have a weird thing about naming all my animals after something weather related. Um, again, except Padfoot because he wasn't meant to be my dog. <laughs> but yeah, so all my social media is under that. You can find me. Um, but yeah, there's dogs and lizards and snakes and all sorts everywhere. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. I know sometimes it can be a little, a little difficult to talk about these things. So thank you so much for, for opening up and, and telling your story. Well, thank you for um, shedding light on such an important topic. I think it's really important to be transparent about things that do happen, you know? Yeah, we're all human. We all, you know, we just kind of muddle through life, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much guys for joining me here at the dog logical podcast i hope that you had a great time listening to this episode and learned a little bit along the way don't forget if you liked this episode share it with a friend and leave us a review thanks again guys and see you next time